Okay, right, we're live. <laughs> we had a few couple of technical problems there, but I am delighted this evening to be live with a Spine Race record holder and Barkley Marathon's fun run um, completer. First woman in almost a decade to complete one, and we've got our fingers crossed for perfect conditions for her to perhaps be the first ever woman to complete a whole Barclays at maybe at a future event. Um, so thank you so much for being here tonight, Jasmine. Um, have you had a good day today? Running, working, mumming? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, w I actually had a day when I was working from home today, which is really nice. I've got quite a bad cold, so I, it was nice to just do my run at lunchtime and have a bit of extra time in bed in the morning. Yeah, a little bit of a lion. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll cover your early starts in just a moment. But um, um, but I'm first of all personally, I'm just really intrigued after reading your blog as to how your mind changed from. You weren't convinced at first about the Barclays, were you? I just was wondering what made you change your mind. I think it was probably it just it was something I kind of expected it might happen. It just happened kind of over time. I think that kind of um, the idea. The question of whether you can do it and um, that just sort of it was there from the start but it just sort of worked its way deeper into my kind of um <laughs> into my mind until it became a question i wanted to answer really and um, so it just it was just took that time really um, and also i kind of did a lot of reading um you know the blogs and watching the documentary and that sort of thing and i think some of the initial reservations that i had about the race the fact that it's in loops and the fact um, you know that sort of thing, and and whether it would be a nice place to run, um, those sorts of questions. I think um, also I kind of um, I, I guess addressed any any concerns I had from those those angles as well, um, and that's why I kind of changed my mind. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's just really interesting because you just seem to think, oh, it doesn't sound like a good idea. Now you are perhaps a little bit obsessed with it. So that's. That's really interesting. Um, and just a little bit about the training. Um, in your blog it says 80 plus miles a week, which is incredible in itself, with a maximum of 10,700 metres of ascent. You do a lot of 5am starts and sometimes even earlier at the, at, at the weekend. How on earth are you not too tired in the day, like having a full-time job, two kids, um, such a busy life? How, how do you get yourself out of bed? Have you got any tips? I mean... I, I, I guess you know I, I do get I was definitely it's hard I mean it's the first first thing to say it's not like it, it, it's easy. Um, and I guess I have one advantage is that I think I've always not needed quite as much sleep as other people so that's like even my mum says even as a baby I was a nightmare because I didn't need to sleep um, so um, I guess that's kind of something that's individual to me that maybe helps um, but kind of from from other aspects you know it was challenging and the ways the things that I sort of did to try and get around it is when I didn't have like work to do in the evenings um, like paperwork and to do with clinics and so on then I often went to bed at the same time as the kids so, <laughs> so once I got them in bed at like half past eight or whatever I just like would have a cup of tea or whatever and go to bed or just go straight to bed um, and those those evenings were not that common but when they happened it was nice and it kind of gave me a bit of an extra um, extra bit of sleep when I needed it. Um, and I was having one day a week as a rest day as well. So like on a Monday morning, that was like my lie until 7 a.m. Really <gasps> oh, so no binge watching Bridgerton until 11 p.m. then? No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we, do, we do like, it's difficult because you kind of have to balance it with also having like a normal family life and having some time with your partner. And um, yeah, so there were, there were evenings when we stayed up as well. Just that they had to be the kind of exception rather than the norm. 
yeah yeah well you've got to dedicate yourself haven't you if you're going to do so well at things um it's um i was just looking at the training that you wrote about on your blog um and i was wondering if you did any other types of training that isn't running like do you do any strength work or anything yeah i do like um i was doing like a two or three times a week doing a strength class class with them um, somebody called Coach D, so just like an online strength class for a group of people, and that was really good because I, I struggle to do strength work unless I have a kind of um, somebody looking at me and telling me what to do. Um, so kind of joining that group and have feeling like it was a community that really helped me. Um, so that's something I'd recommend if you kind of struggle with strength work. Um, for me, the main challenge with it was just the kids in the background, you know, sitting on me or like. <laughs> I tended to try and incorporate them when that happened and use them as weights for squats and that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but it's challenging. And then I also like when I'm not doing clinical work, when I'm on research and I, I, I drop kids off at nursery and then cycle from there into town and back. Um, so that's, I don't know, it's like a total of about 10 miles of cycling a day. Um, and then occasionally I cycle all the way from home into the lab and that's about 25 miles round trip. Um, and then sometimes do some swimming as well, although um, I swim in the reservoir beside our house, so over winter it's, um, yeah, not that much. <laughs> but in, in the summer, I do that as cross-training as well. Oh, cool. Oh, that's cool. So you do do a bit of cross-training as well, because it's important, isn't it? Um, and so that's that's all physical preparation, um, which um, one of my patrons, Gillian, was really interested in. She, she, was, she says, um, as well as mental preparation, um, sorry, as well as physical preparation, how did you mentally prepare for something like this? Because it, it's just so different, isn't it? The Barclay Marathon is like loops around a forest, navigating, it's such a bizarre race. How do you prepare mentally for something so arduous? I guess beforehand I didn't really know what to expect, so I just kind of had to guess um, in terms of the mental preparation. and. Um, I guess my sort of assumption was that it, you know, like it's going to get really hard at some point because um, the majority of people don't finish. So um, probably you're going to be kind of hitting the wall um, in, a, in a big way um, at some point. So I kind of, I guess that was part of my reasoning behind doing all the reps that I did. I'm coached by Damien Hall. He's, and some of my long ones had kind of do lots of vert. I don't think he probably expected me to do as much as I did on those occasions when I ran up and down and up and down and like 22 times wow. up the same hill but I kind of in my in my head it was um it was as much I guess the mental training was was a part of that as well um because I, I knew that I like by the time I'd done it a couple of times I was ready to stop and like move away and enjoy the views somewhere and that sort of thing but um it was a different sort of training than I actually ever done in my life before because I didn't actually enjoy it that much mm. like it was more that I was um, no, but like I, I felt that that was kind of part of it because it was um, it was also that over the sort of winter we had weekend after weekend of storms basically. So every every weekend I was getting up of you know four or five a.m. to uh, five a.m. to like run in a storm and get blown around and knocked over and stuff. So um, yeah, it was a kind of it, it was slightly different sort of um, than than some of my training has been in the past where it's been all about kind of having fun. Um, this was, you know, it, it was a little bit about kind of um, facing that sort of um, mental barrier and just kind of working through it. And I guess I thought that that was good training for when it got hard at Barclay. And it probably was. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a sort of 
type 2 fun but not so much enjoyment at the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah definitely all good mental training to get out there in that terrible weather for sure um yeah it's really impressive just doing the training um did you feel any pressure going into the Barclays because um I know that Laz at the National Running Show he did mention you as a potential woman finisher didn't he did you feel any pressure or are you pretty chilled out about that kind of stuff um I guess like it's always nice to be completely like the dark horse that nobody knows and that you know like you can unexpectedly do well but I mean I, I went to Barclays to just do the best that I could um and like it's nice to be kind of for women to sort of be inspired and, and girls and, and so on by me but I actually went to Barclay just to see whether I could do it for me and it kind of a, irrespective of the fact that I was a woman you know I just wanted to see how I could mm. do on the course so yeah. and and the likelihood going into it is that you're not going to do it because you just have to look at the statistics so and um, you know I, I, I kind of wanted I felt I sort of put pressure on myself to do as well as I could especially after kind of all that I'd sacrificed in terms of time with you know early mornings spent in bed with the kids type thing um but I you know I didn't feel that much pressure externally because it was I, I was doing it for me um yeah yeah oh that's good um and so how did it feel on arrival like I know you're not allowed to kind of tell us too much about it so don't overshare like any any questions that you feel are too much then just just ignore but um uh, how does it feel like on arrival because it's, it's really built up isn't it and there must have been so many kind of other famous Barclayers there was it a really cool atmosphere at camp I mean it was nice because it like it didn't feel like to me it felt like fairly laid back and it was just like it was nice because it wasn't like all the some races there's all this kind of big media presence and it's all kind of big fanfare because it's and it's big but Barclay's not big you know it's it's small it's a small event and it sort of kind of has quite a family feel about it um they even refer to kind of a Barclay family um and um yes I mean we got there and we put up a tent and we did the kind of things that you do the day before the race but it you know it felt pretty you know it felt like kind of going to a campground in the middle of a state park um, with with other runners, but there wasn't. It, yeah, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't even feel that much like it was kind of a big gathering, a kind of a, yeah, a, like a big event. The way that um, the race, like the UT, and like, it's like it's totally different. It's probably yeah. the polar opposite. Look like the UTMB. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, a huge race, isn't it? Tons can't get through Chamonix. Um, oh, um, cool. So, um, um, I just was interested. Uh, um, just to, we've only got you here for like fifteen more minutes. So I just wanted to kind of distill your experience into like what was the best part and what was the worst part. Like, was there real polar opposites in the way that you um, felt throughout the race? Um, yeah, so I guess the kind of the most, um, you know, I guess the first loop that was, was sort of really enjoyable in terms of like, um, you know, the sun was shining and um, yeah, yeah, there was there were sections on the first loop when I, I felt like it was really genuinely type one fun. Um, and the forest is beautiful, you know, it's like it's, it's kind of still quite wintry and, and, and sort of brown. Um, but it's you know it's wild and we we love running in kind of wild places and gen, generally as a community so um, I enjoyed that and at that point you're kind of still fresh and you it's daylight and you could see where you're going and I was um, in at times I was with people that knew the where they were going so um, yeah that was really enjoyable I guess the most um, the worst I'm trying to think what the kind of the worst points were I guess um, 
the third loop I was obviously tireder, I was on my own and towards the end I got lost a few times which was pretty stressful because I was sort of like had this big time bar kind of buffer initially but then I um I knew that I was sort of losing that um <laughs> it was just cre it just like you know four hours just trickled away until I was sort of racing the pot to get back after my last um getting lost experience um when I sort of sort of came off uh, off off the the ridge a slightly the wrong way so um yeah that was kind of probably um, that was that was why I probably had to dig deepest right at the end actually just to kind of tell myself you know like work out where you are um, and then sort of run <laughs> run as fast as you can <laughs> and which is hard after you've been, been out there for 40 hours um, yeah. but the, on, the, on the second loop in the night I guess was where we had the sort of worst weather um, and that was the night and um, got pretty cold and at that point I was on my own as well so um, yeah th those were kind of the different slightly for slightly different reasons they were hard but um that was when most people dropped out was on the second loop um in the night when the weather got really bad and it well, i mean really bad it, it just it rained a lot like it rained non-stop kind of heavy rain um and it was in the forecast but then yeah it happened <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it sounded really tough and uh, we've got a question from tony reeves um who wants to know um how you cope with any negative head voices when it gets tough um, do you have any tips for Tony there um, when it's, you know, things are getting tough and it's still a long way to go? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's hard because I get asked that question a lot. I think at Barclay, like, I was so, like, determined to sort of do it that <coughs> I'm trying try to think, it's hard to, to now kind of remember exactly, but I didn't, I didn't so much sort of feel, I guess I was on, I turned on loop two when I was a bit like, um, I, I mean, I didn't really think about pulling out, but I, I guess I, I, I guess I had this sort of feeling. Maybe it won't be so bad if I don't make it back in time to go out again. <laughs> um, type thing. Um, but then, by the time I did kind of make it back from loop two, by then I would like, it was daylight again, and I was, and it stopped raining, and I was totally up for going out again. So I guess, in, in answer to the question, um, what do I do? I kind of, um, I guess I for me I'd put so much kind of effort into training for Barclay and and the kind of all that time that I'd sort of sacrificed for it I sort of felt that I needed to give it my best possible shot and also um, I mean we, we left the kids at home we went away for a week me and comrade um, and my parents were looking after the kids so I sort of knew that other people had sacrificed a lot for it for me to be there as well um, and I also knew that if I finished at, you know at, after being out for 12 hours or whatever I still wasn't going to see the kids for another week, um, you know, or not, yeah. another, you know, another five days or whatever. It wasn't going to, it wasn't going to get me back to them any any quicker. Um, so in some ways, that was probably a good thing. Like it meant that I could totally immerse myself in the race. Um, but generally, what I kind of, I guess in Barclay, I didn't even really have to do it that much. I didn't really have to sort of think about pleasant things to make myself um, sort of be able to keep going. And the answer is that, like at Barclay, I felt like I was concentrating the whole time, like where I was going. Like in the spine, I had quite a lot of time to kind of, you know, just as I was going along to, you know, I don't know, think about other things and, and you know, but at the Barclay, you have to concentrate the whole time on where you're going. Um, and that's part of the challenge, I think, is like there's no let up at all. Mm. Um, you just, yeah, and it's hard to do that for, for 40 hours or 60 hours straight. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, what I don't know if you're able to answer this question, but what makes the terrain and the navigation quite so hard? Like it's it's hard to see because you watch the film and you're like it's just going for a forest. But like how how is it so hard? 
Um, well, I guess, like, if you're just going through a forest, you've not really got any features to kind of base things on. Like, you, like in the UK, we used to sort of be able to look around and um, see, like, there's that valley and there's that hill. So I guess if you imagine kind of navigating in the dark in the UK, that's, like, mm-hmm. that helps you sort of imagine a bit what it's like in a forest. Because um, when you're just, like, it's steep and you're just surrounded by trees, you might get to a stream, but you don't know if you've hit it too low down or too high up. And it's very, it's not that easy to work out which of those two you know to the situation is um and so you might have to change your compass bearing halfway down a hill then again it's hard to know because you because the terrain's quite difficult so it's hard to kind of keep tabs on how far you've gone um so i mean there's lots of features there's some other features that kind of won't go into too much reasons that i won't go into too much but the navigation's not that easy um it's also it's because it's not just about following a map there's some element to it that just comes with i think that give Basically, being a veteran gives you a big advantage um, for certain aspects of the nav, I think. Yeah, you can kind of like, you remember a bit, I suppose, from yeah. doing it a couple of years. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think anybody has completed the Barclays on their first attempt, have they? I, don't I think they have. I think oh, they have. have. Oh, wow. Certainly, certainly one person did, but I think oh, that gosh. might have been a time where you could go out and you could still wrecky the course. Oh, okay. There was a year when, like, there was a time before when you were allowed to wreck the course, um, and at that point, um, sorry, like, um, <laughs> at that point, um, you, yes, yeah, so I think somebody went out there and actually wrecked, and uh, wrecked basically um, spent two weeks wrecking the course and then ran it in, on the first attempt. Oh, I, I think see. that everyone's done it since, since you know, that's not been allowed, certainly some of it's not local, um, but I, I might be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it does sound like a big advantage. Um, and also, not on your side, are the books that you have to collect. Do you have a particularly amusing uh, book that you have to collect? Does anything stand out as particularly depressing or amusing to you during the race? No, I've not actually got the titles with me here. I should have brought them with me. I've got like the pages of the books. Um, but I, I looked at every, I looked at the pages. Um, I looked at the book titles when I, you know, during the first loop, I looked at most of them and they were amusing. Like. Um, uh, yeah, there are sorts of titles like um, you know, the road to hell and that sort of thing. You know, so, yeah, um, they're all on those lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just to perk you up a bit mid race. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of title, yeah. <laughs> um, so we've got a question from Arlene. Um, she said some of the photos um, of Jasmine showed that her legs were very scratched up by the briars. I hope she's healed up now. Um, and looking back, is there any kit that she wished she'd had during the event and uh, like that you might take differently if you ever try the event in the future? Have you got any uh, things that you might swap or change? Yeah, so like it's true, the briars, um, yeah, you do get pretty scratched up. It's funny because like it's almost like you're not actually that like it was not very pleasant getting scratched but it was more annoying because they actually just hold you back so um when your kind of legs get stuck in them sometimes they get stuck around your like neck as well or um yeah so like it's going down the rat jaw bit which is the bit that everybody sees on the photos and by the way that top bit is the bit that's like really not steep at all it gets much it gets very <laughs> steep when you leave the field of view yeah. that bit's like totally <laughs> steep um, so like I was going down there with my poles like in front of my face because that at least kept some of the briars off my face because oh. um, I think this year they weren't mown apparently later in the season they get mown but um, yeah so basically um, in terms of kit I guess 
Um, I, I had long socks, actually. I had I planned I might wear long socks, and I didn't take them in the end. I think for next year, if I went next year, um, I would um, work out kind of, I'd do a bit more training and working out the long sock thing or wearing orienteering gaiters. Yeah, I was a bit those bramble bashers. I hadn't actually trained in them, so I was a bit nervous to go out and run a long event, you know, because you don't know if they're going to rub or mm. that sort of thing. Um, but ultimately, I, I don't think I would... I, I, like, it was nice wearing waterproof trousers on the kind of wet loop and, and, and so on just because they protected my legs, but I wouldn't do that unless it was actually cold or wet because you just get too hot, and I think the kind of disadvantage of getting too hot and sort of dehydrated and everything is... Um, is, is 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 a big for me would be a big disadvantage. So I'd rather I'd rather be scratched than um, unable to continue um, for other reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you said in your blog that you can see now why the Barclays becomes an obsession. Um, so would you call yourself obsessed with the Barclays now? Um, and why, if you are? <laughs> I don't know. I'm obsessed, but I guess the fact that I kind of want to go back and see if I can do it, um, if I can do any better, probably means that I am to some extent obsessed. Like I get, because I before I kind of, I, I sort of, I said at the start I wasn't sure initially why, and like whether I wanted to do it, and therefore I wasn't entirely sure whether, um, why anybody, why anybody would go back. But I guess now, um, like I, I do get that. I get that kind of you've done it, you've had a go, and I guess maybe seem that you think it might be possible um there's that like as i think if i'd gone and i thought there's no way that i could ever like possibly finish this then i'd be happy to leave it um i guess the fact that i'm sort of interested in going back means that i think that it would be possible it changes the course of it every year though so that kind of is dependent on that and there's also so many other factors at barclay so it's it's about the weather and it's about like the weather's a big thing, I think that can be so changeable. Like if there was a, a couple of foot of snow, I don't like. I think it would just a little bit of snow would be good because you'd be able to see where you were going, like the route <laughs> in the snow. Um, like a lot of snow, I think that would just become like absolutely impossible. Um, and then yeah, things like navigation, like you've got because you have to concentrate like all the time. Um, then I think by the time you decide to get tired, it would be easy to make a mistake that would just cost you too much time because you're not. You know, you can't, you're going to kind of be on the edge of what's possible time-wise anyway. You know, it's not like you've got hours and hours to kind of chuck away. Yeah. So all those feature factors, yeah. Yeah, so you could see how you'd just go back. You'd just be like, oh, if only, like, next year the weather might be better or next year I might do this better. You could see how you could I go know, back. Exactly, yeah, and that's the problem because you're like, <laughs> I don't like I don't know how many years I'm willing to, you know, um, yeah. yeah. like do all that training. For that training, you know, I like to make myself do that all winter again. Mm-hmm. Like I can do it, I certainly do it another year. Mm-hmm. How many more years I can do that, I don't know. And also, how many times I'm kind of willing to fly to the states and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, yeah, don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I know that you're really interested in in the climate and you're really proactive in. Um, you know, like uh, being planet friendly. So, how do you reconcile your climate worries with um, with international travel? Um, I'm keen to hear what you yeah. do because I want to do the same. No, not 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 at all. But um, yeah, that's like for me is now a big concern. It's interesting because like it, I think it's only really in the last couple of years that I've become more aware of it. And maybe that's kind of in line with lots of people. Um, I guess we all, you know, we care about the environment. We we love the outdoor places and the wild places just by the nature, and that's why we do what we do. And that's why, um, you know, once you start 
understand yeah once you kind of admit what's what, realize what's going to happen you know, you know what is happening then um it's it's frightening um yeah so in terms of in terms of answering your question like that's what i i did struggle kind of with that whether it was right to fly to the states um for barclay i guess um i you know i, I sort of um in answer you know apart from offsetting the flights i think ultimately we do need to kind of reduce um our international travel for races so that's the only race um we're flying to this year um, I, that's, I didn't apply to Hard Rock even though I want to run that because I didn't. if I got in I, I felt that I wouldn't want to fly for a second time to the States in one year so that's kind of one part of the answer um, so like selecting the races like maybe one, one race that you have to travel to a year and making that kind of special race for me we also saw my brother who lives in the States so we kind of um, at least managed to combine the two um, but then in terms of other races so for example we have family in Europe um, who so we now travel by ferry um, and drive and we now have an electric car um, for kind of doing day-to-day run around um, kind of travel um, and I'm going to go to the UTMB by train is my plan oh cool <laughs> so um, kind of trying to make changes um, but I also you know totally admit it, you know I'm, I'd be a hypocrite to say like yeah I'm, I, I there's lots of things I could still improve and um, yeah, whether you, you, you entirely eliminate any travel to kind of um, big races, I, I don't know, um, is the answer. But at the moment, I guess I'm, I'm trying to make a difference. Yeah, yeah, I think we all are much more aware in the last few years. I totally agree with that. Um, do you, so you're going to the UTMB. Um, do you have any other exciting plans that you're able to share with us about 2022 and, and 2023? Um, so I'm going to run the boat race with my brother Václav, the which is a Scottish Islands um, peaks race. Fun. So you, you go, yeah, so it's a boat that you know you go on a boat between um, you go to Mull and you run up um, the Munro there, and then you go to Jura and run over the Paps and then to Arran and run up Goat's Island and then sail back to Troon. So I'm running that with my brother, which is great. So we kind of tend to do about like one one race a year together, oh, and nice. I usually pick something like that, like a real kind of classic. Um, hill race um, something that's kind of a bit testing and my poor brother um, <laughs> get been right in the deep end after his sort of year of spent of training in New York um, <laughs> is, he just as, is he just as good as you or is uh, you the sporty one of the family no no, he's very good I mean he, he has all he has to train is in, in his, his central park um, so yeah you know like given that he's um, yeah he's, he's very good um, so but I, I suspect that I might be the one carrying the bag by the time we get to the <laughs> later, later hills on the Scottish Islands Peaks race. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm doing that. And um, then kind of I don't, like uh, other things are a little bit unclear. I might run the Yorkshire Three Peaks race at the end of this month. Oh, fantastic. It depends because I still don't feel like fully recovered from Barclay and now I've got this kind of cold. Mm. So it just depends on feeling um, as to whether I do that. And then, yeah, so that's, but I'm not putting too much pressure on myself. Um, I guess the next big target would be the UTMB. Yeah, oh, that's really that's super exciting, and I hope to go there too. So I'm going to look into the ferry and the um, train options mm. as well. Um, and just the last question that we've got time for tonight, just very quickly: um, um, How important is it for you to inspire the next generation of young sports people? Yeah, no, I mean that's like huge, hugely important to me, and that's I guess part of the reason that I, I've sort of done interviews and stuff um, into, um, so far um, yeah just because um, I think you know like looking at my daughter and my, my son I sort of feel like if I can do anything to inspire um, 
my children and, and other other people's children and to kind of take up sport not not to kind of not for any sort of um necessarily being elite athletes but just to have something to you know to take them through life I think sport and being outdoors is such a kind of gift and um, both for your physical health but also your mental health and, and just to be happy you know it's given me so much and I feel like it's um it, it's a kind of gift to me to to be able to share that with people and inspire other people I think that's a real privilege of the position that I'm in and um, so if I can use that for you know so kind of as a platform for good then that's um for me a real benefit um of doing any sort of um social media and and kind of interview types yeah oh well thank you so much it has been really inspiring tonight and i've really enjoyed talking to you and hearing all about the barclays and and about what you're going to be doing next as well so um how can people follow you if they want to um find out more about the barclays and and your write-ups and things so i have a blog um which is called talking of fells so i think if you google that you'll probably see it and then um i'm on twitter as well but i don't i don't post very much it's kind of <laughs> they they come occasionally my posts <laughs> um but yeah so that those are kind of the two ways awesome oh thank you so much jasmine i just want to read out one live comment as well just before you go um john gardner says congratulations to jasmine for her remarkable performance um should she want to give it another go her experience would give her a big asset so um, yeah he's uh, rooting for you already <laughs> um, well thank you so much for talking to us tonight Jasmine um, I hope you have a really good week and hope that you recover soon from your cold um, and potentially do the three peaks because that's a, it's a really fun route that one um, so yeah thank you so much and I'll see you soon thanks bye bye <laughs>